Welcome to This Academic Life, episode 30. This episode is sponsored by DeGrider and its portfolio in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. For students and researchers in mathematics, DeGrider's 2022 catalog is now available at thisacademiclife.org. If you're interested in being a sponsor, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Hi, my name is Kim Michelle Lewis. I'm a professor of physics and associate dean of research. Hi, my name is Pania Newell. I'm an assistant professor in mechanical engineering. Hi, my name is Lucy Zhang. I'm a professor of mechanical engineering. When was the last time we only worked from nine to five in a given workday? When was the last time we didn't open up our computer on a weekend just to catch up? I don't even remember what that feels like. In a highly competitive academic environment where funding opportunities are scarce, papers are getting rejected by your peers left and right, working hard in overtime has become an expected norm to stay relevant in academia. Being good at what you do is simply not good enough. So I thought today we can talk about how to deal with the culture of overwork. I know all of us are doing more than nine to five. So maybe we can just kind of talk about what our typical day looks like and why we're always so busy. Well, my typical day starts with, well, getting up, having my breakfast around like six o'clock and then being in my office between seven to seven thirty. And I stay here till yeah, 6, 37, and then I go home, I eat dinner, and then I'm back to work, <laughs> but from different place in my home office. So I don't come back here, but typically I stay up late. Sometimes I go to bed past one, and that's my life. And also I do the similar thing over the weekend, sadly. My typical workday is very similar to Panya. I wake up pretty early, get to the office, work the regular nine to five. I might stay a little bit after five, maybe to six thirty or seven, come home and then start another round of work. Yeah, I sometimes joke and I say my second shift starts. So and I say bye to my husband. I'm going to the second shift. When I was single before kids. I would probably do a lot more because time is more in my control. But after having kids, there are so many other responsibilities that oftentimes are not in my control. So my time became a lot more segmented throughout the day, which makes it really hard. But regardless, the entire day is definitely more than nine to five. And right now the kids are older, I'm able to do more work after they go to bed. So I think if I were to add up all the hours per day, it's at least 10 to 12 hours a day. Some believe that the devotion of one's time and full attention to their work is equivalent to the passion and ability. But what we're looking at oftentimes, that's not really fair to the people who have other responsibilities. So as a mother, I have family responsibilities. 
And of course, I also want to take the time to take care of myself. And I feel like we all had given up so much just to stay in this profession. And is that normal? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think it should be like this. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are just like us. We need to change that culture. Yeah, but I heard that people, they say that if you are passionate about your job, you need to show it, you need to work more and you need to make sacrifices. And I even heard from more senior faculty that if you are not here, it means you are not working. And some they expect that when they email you, you immediately respond. Otherwise, it means that you are not passionate about your job, you are not working hard, or you are not devoted. So I think that we all created this culture. It's the same thing. When I was junior faculty, I always felt like I constantly need to be available to answer emails and just do whatever I felt like I need to show that my time is committed to work at any given time. And it wasn't until kids were born and I felt like, oh, I'm not working. And I would feel so guilty for when I'm not working, but you, I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. I heard some of my colleagues when they go on vacation, they said like, one week of vacation, half of it, they feel guilty by the time they need to enjoy and they overcome that feeling of being guilty. They need to come back <laughs> and they haven't enjoyed their vacation. For me, it's a different story. I haven't been taking a real vacation for I don't know how many years, 12, 13 years or whatever. But so I heard it from multiple people that that feeling guilty. I do feel guilty when over the weekends, when I want to spend more time with my family, it's like, oh no, I need to work. And this is, this is not good that I'm enjoying my lunch with my husband. You know, it's just as simple as that. Are we part of the problem uh, setting up examples for our younger junior colleagues and our children and our students by doing so much? I have mixed feelings about this. Because if you really do enjoy what you do, you will spend the extra time and you don't feel guilty. Sometimes I do feel guilty. I think earlier in my career, I did feel guilty about not working. However, I've reached a point where I've realized that even if I work, there will be more work tomorrow. So the idea of let me get this done because I'm going to have no work tomorrow is a misconcept. And so when I switched my thinking to there'll be more work tomorrow, I started prioritizing my schedule better and that helped reduce my stress. And so that's kind of how I deal with it, especially as an administrator. There's always going to be a fire. There's always going to be a case. There's always going to be a student. There's always going to be something because you're dealing with all facets of the university or the college. The only time I don't have any work is when there are no students and no faculties and no adjuncts and no lecturers and no anybody. And when is that? then you don't have a university. So that's kind of how I feel about it. I think as you move further and further in your career, you begin to relax more and realize 
that staying up those two extra hours really didn't decrease my workload the next day. So it's just better that I get the sleep. I totally agree. You and I have reached a point where we have tenure. <laughs> we have the stability and security of the job. It's almost like we had passed the hurdle and, you know, getting the few extra hours done is no longer a big deal comparing to when we were a junior faculty before tenure. So I think mentally having that stability, it's okay. I still have the job and life goes on. I don't know. I mean, uh, Panya, you're not there yet. <laughs> so, no, I haven't reached there. So <laughs> when I reach there, I'll tell you how I feel. <laughs> so, but I still feel guilty about missing even one minute. <laughs> but honestly, I don't think that it should be based on the seniority. I think there should be some culture that Yes, we all need to work hard and contribute to our job and our workplace and being a good citizen of our department, college and university, but there should be a balance. We shouldn't think that we should stay up late because what if the dean emails me and I'm not up to answer the email? So we shouldn't be fearful of that. Or what if the student emailed me and I'm not responding and then they would write a bad evaluation for so I think and also we need to reach to that point that we are all human beings and we are all connected we have loved ones around us and we cannot continue doing this forever basically sacrificing from other family members time with us there are a lot of resources that people have posted on how to find that balance. My experience is that it's so personal. At any given time in your life, your priorities can be different. Your situations can be different. So that balance could also be different from day to day, year to year. So I think it's always good to have that in mind, be very conscious about it over time and observe what is a good balance for you and then practice it and then see if that works out. I don't want work to define me and my life and I don't want to die at my desk either. It's easier said than done for those of us that had to explore all of these balances in a hard way. It's hard to do. We're so career-oriented people. We've worked hard. Not overwork. Needs practice. Yeah, I think one of the best things that occurred during COVID is when the president of the university allowed everyone all at the same time across the university to take a mental health day. Typically you can request it and you can take a mental health day, but something was so empowering about the whole university taking the mental health day. The day before the mental health day, I just kept going around saying, I'm not doing that. Tomorrow's my mental health day. And I just kept saying it over and over and over and over again. And I realized how much I was looking forward to it because it was a collective agreement that we are not working tomorrow. And so that guilt of not working was gone because nobody was working. So I thought it was awesome and I felt so good. And I'm hoping that he does it again 
because it, it really was awesome. And even when we have long weekends, I wish he would say, no one works on President's Day <laughs> because you end up using that Monday to kind of catch up on things you're going to do. But it was something about him saying it as a communication to the entire university that did something for me. And I can't put my finger on it. Again, it might've just been the collective agreement that no one was gonna work. But if don't ask me what I did with that day, cause I, I don't remember now. So maybe it really was a mental health day. <laughs> so I have memory loss from the it's mental like health so day. so joyful that you forgot. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's part of relieving that pressure, like the peer pressure, because you know that no one else is working either. So you don't feel guilty. You're just going to enjoy whatever time that you have. That is really important. Once a while, even if we don't get that mental health day at work, we just need to give ourselves a break, something to look forward to. Probably one thing that we could do for ourselves here we need to report our time like how much not the log every day but if you are taking vacation or consulting or anything like that per month so they should add a mental health day or me time day or whatever one of these into the system so whenever we feel like that we need it we click on it but i like what kim said that about being so universal when i was working in a national lab a week before christmas it was a lab shutdown and that everybody is spending time with their family and they even turned down all the heating and cooling system so you know that if you go to work it would be freezing cold and it wouldn't be pleasant so it, we were all kind of forced not to work and it was really really healthy and i miss those days so given the culture that we're in what are some action items that we can do about overwork say no no to people when they ask us to do extra work you know one thing that i have found over time is really stay organized and always resetting or reviewing my priorities and oftentimes that gives me a peace of mind and when I'm working efficiently, minimize the uh, amount of overhead that I do for everything. And so organization is one thing that I feel like I can do to contribute to not overwork. So another thing that I think that for Panya, you and I were more in control of our own time because we teach and we have certain time for our classes and we have office hours, and those are all set. And then everything else, more or less in our control. We set our meetings and research and lab group meetings and all that. But for someone like Kim, who has a day that's oftentimes, most of the tasks are not really in your plan because they come during the day. How do you deal with not overwork if you want? I think it's difficult to avoid. I do what most people do, which is to wake up, prioritize what you want to accomplish for that day, and then find quiet times throughout the day. Like there are times throughout my day where nothing is happening. For whatever reason, 
nothing is happening. And so those are the times where I block out what's called focus times. Those times are typical. Well, I'm not going to tell people when my focus times are because then the faculty who are listening to the podcast will realize that I'm ignoring their calls during that time. So I'm not going to say when that is. <laughs> But I have focus times and now that we are virtual, I set my notifications to off. I turn my red light on on Teams. My phone is automatically, it mutes itself during that focus time and I just get the work done. And then you do screening during that focus time, a notification pop up. I might glance, say, okay, got it. Make a mental note, but I keep doing what I need to do. And then when that focus time is over, then I go back into my subconscious and say, okay, so-and-so call or Dean so-and-so call or the graduate school call. And then I just kind of do those things. But it is really difficult, especially when you have so many faculty, so many things in your portfolio that there are times it's completely out of my control, completely. And sometimes it's very frustrating. And then sometimes it's very exciting. <laughs> Because then I sit down like, I have not sat down all day, right? I'm just moving from one place to another, helping out in many different capacities. And then there are times where it's so frustrating that I just go home and I'm just so annoyed. I'm like, ah, I did not get anything done. And then I just have to calm down and say, okay, Kim, it's going to be different tomorrow. You help five faculty they were panicked about something and you did a good job doing that. So you actually did do something. But one thing I did learn very early on being an administrator is that you can't have a jam packed schedule. So you can't have a meeting from eight to nine then nine to 10 and then 11, 11 to 12 and 12 to one, you know, and you just keep going on like that. You have to put in room where you have a cushion. So if I have a meeting from one to two, and Lucy calls me and say, Kim, are you available at two? I would say, no, I'm not available at two. Even though my schedule is clear, I'm not available at two. Why? Because sometimes I need to decompress from the meeting. Sometimes I just need a quiet time or sometimes the meeting run over. And when the meetings run over, then you start getting all antsy, like, ah, now it just throws your whole day off. Building time, you also try to plan for the unexpected. So... If I have blocks of time that are empty, I'll just plan for unexpected. Thank you so much, Kim and Panya, for this conversation. Just so that we can summarize what we've talked about so far based on our own experiences. Uh, number one is to come up with long-term and short-term strategies to help us with prioritization, whether that's related to work or home and work, and also review and update the strategy regularly and number two, organize the time and improvise and create flexible schedules and practice so that we do not overcommit. Number three, set a good time to focus, set boundaries to establish work meetings involving others and work where you can actually get stuff done, which we'll call that deep work. Number four, Remember, more work is not the same as productive work. Being efficient at it as we're trying to tailor it over time is probably the best way to go.
So we hope our conversation today can help our listeners in coming up ways to overcome the culture of overwork. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. This episode is sponsored by DeGrider and its portfolio in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. For students and researchers in mathematics, DeGrider's 2022 catalog is now available at thisacademiclife.org. You can follow us on Facebook and listen to our latest episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts. If you're interested in being a sponsor, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Join us next time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of this academic life.